It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That pretty starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a freaking listen to yourself in the world, but it's only something to your own life. Beat it up and I've seen got no peace. The ladder puts the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in the fire, the system of the gangs and the government for hire in the combat site. But it wasn't coming in a hurry, the jury beat it down your neck. The border trap is some the ground with that low plane flying and up for overflow, but in the corner to put in a little secret devil, secret devil world in your own knees. See your heart, tell me the surrender in the river of the right. You patriotic, patriotic, plan might right, might feel it in British life. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. dark heart of the city, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Bones. Oh, geez. I think I'm married to that guy, Dr. Bones. Wait, is that you? That guy is crazy. Yeah, he's the dark heart of the city. And you you know what you are? You're the angel heart of the city. Oh, well, both of us. Yes. Both parts of Dr. Bones. Dr. Bones and Mr. Hyde, (laughs) as they say. Are here today, and we are going to have a great time on our podcast. Hey, friends and neighbors out there, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a bastion of benevolence in a belligerent world. I'm Joel MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, who you'll find over a thousand post videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy, and I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And the hostess with the mostess, and together we are the gang of two. We are the dynamic duo, the spectacular spouses, the masters of disaster. That's who we are. Wait, how long did it take you to think up all of those? Oh, I've got lots more. I've got probably about 15 different ones. Let's see, we are the uh, courageous couple. We are the host with the most. We are the geezer and the goddess, the oh, queen. Oh wait, yeah, the that's queen and the codger. Weren't you reading quotes yesterday? I have been reading. Uh, I have me, braining, brainy quotes. Go there, guys. Me, you'll get a lot of wisdom. Brainy quotes, but a tell, lot of interesting tell me ones. one of your favorite ones from yesterday that you read. Well, Winston Churchill said, "If you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going." <laughs> there was something else you told me that was really good. Well, there are a lot of, oh gosh, there are a lot of different ones oh. that are are super, super good that I'm going to dole those out very sparingly. A little bit at a time. Just a little bit at a time. Maybe every every week we'll do another saying. Okay. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a peripatetic panther? Hey, if you know what peripatetic means, you've been everywhere, man. You've been everywhere. As Johnny Cash would say, because that's what it means, traveling from place to place, in particular working or based in various places for short periods of time. That's us. That's peripatetic. That's right. Well, here's our disclaimer given to you by a beautiful woman. Oh, please. 
All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Please. Of course, but... In bad times, you have to show the world that you got more sense than a case of kangaroos and get the training and education that you need to help people and to help save lives. And while you're at it, you know what you need? You need a quality medical kit as well. And there's no better place to get that kit than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. Compare our kits for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff, anybody else's stuff, and you'll agree our kits are the ones that you should have in your medical storage. If you want more proof, check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net to see what folks just like you have to say about our kits and service. And on top of all that, our kits are approved for your health or flexible savings accounts. Just look at our special HSA FSA section in the store. And please don't forget to subscribe to our website at doomandbloom.net to get a special, by the way, if you do it right now, you get a special Father's Day coupon on our next newsletter, which is going to be coming out just in the next couple of days. That's right. That's right. You'll happy, be glad almost, you did. Almost happy Father's Day. That's right. All right. So what are we going to talk about this week? Well, I want to talk a little bit about this Virginia Beach shooting. We have Wait, had... wait. Yes, we will. But what else are we going to talk about? Let's give them a little synopsis of what to expect this hour. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to talk uh, about that. We're going to okay. talk a little bit about why we don't talk about... IV antibiotics as opposed to regular Ooh. oral antibiotics. I think that's an important topic. Good one. We're going to talk also about... I think you mentioned diarrhea. Oh, yes. How many different diseases may cause diarrhea and what to do about it and what the CDC says to do about Good. various diarrheal diseases and maybe even prevention of traveler's diarrhea, something that just about everybody gets at one point or another. So we're going to talk about some of We've those had things. It. But also I'm going to add um, some natural some remedies, home remedies if we have time. That's if not, right. we'll do that next week. That's right. Well, we're definitely going to always want to concentrate on home remedies because in times of trouble, you know what? No matter how much stuff that you've managed to put away that's actual standard medical drugs or or standard medical supplies, they're going to run out. So you always got to think about improvisations That's and true. home remedies and natural products that might actually have the same effect. Okay, so sad news about this shooting. Another, yeah, you another know, shooting. Another mass shooting. Oh Fifth, my Twelve gosh. people killed and more people injured, of course. This is that. the one with the the guy who worked there. Yeah, he worked. He worked in He's a an engineer. Yeah, a facility in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and. Yeah, and a lot of people, when we talk about this in survival, we we assume or associate armed attacks with, well, wars or survival scenarios, but mm-hmm. they occur in normal times as well. And this recent mass shooting is a reminder that, boy, things are toxic these days and nobody is safe from those people that have bad intentions. Now, have you ever wondered what actually qualifies as a mass shooting? Now, I, I know you know what I never thought of that. I, there's actually I mean, a definition. Me, to me, I guess mass would be probably more than two. I well, mean, if there's three people shot, that seems pretty well, you significant. Know, you're you're probably right. At least three fatalities, not including really? the shooter. Really, I was right. Not including the shooter. No, not including okay. the shooter. I meant now there are some sources that say four. Okay. So I will say that, but at least three fatalities and uh, four in some cases and. 
you know that in the 50-year period ending, let's say, around this time last year, Mm -hmm. in those five decades, there have been at least 152 mass shootings in the United States going all the way back to the late 1960s, and they average eight fatalities per incident, plus the perpetrator's death. Wow. So in the last year, since May of 2018, it's okay. now uh, June 2019, right. there obviously have been others that have been added, so it's more than 152 <clears throat> now. It's just really hard to read the news without reading some report of some mass shooting. You can't go a week without one, uh-uh. it seems, or a couple of weeks without one. Uh, it could be terrorists, could be the deranged, the disgruntled. That might include the shooter in this recent attack in Virginia Beach. He sent in a resignation letter just before the shooting spree. But the funny thing is that we don't really know because in, during Christmas, he gave out boxes of candy to all the people that he shot. Oh, Well, I mean, no. to all the, all, let's, no, all the to employees everyone, on the floor. It just happened to be, right? Yeah, that just happened to be uh, oh, uh, working gosh. in his department. And... So what the heck happened between Christmas and now for this guy? I don't know. It is just uncertain. And, and so you know, he wasn't fired? I was thinking maybe no, he... No, he resigned. It was a resignation I letter. was thinking he got fired and no, maybe he was angry because he got fired. His boss... That happens. His boss actually gave him a satisfactory review. No way. And that he said he was in good standing with the company. Oh, my gosh. So, So what know, snapped? They what still snapped? don't know? That's right. I they haven't don't know. seen anything, but I, of course, I haven't been specifically looking for that one piece of information. So, who knows what this motivation Ugh, is? This I mean, is like the Vegas guy, right? The Vegas guy, the, the guy in 2017. No motive. He killed 59 people and injured hundreds in uh, shooting from a window on a, I, don't, I think, the 12th floor of the Mandalay Bay, Mandalay Bay Casino and Hotel in Las Vegas, and he killed himself before anybody. Ever got an idea? Left no note. No note. You know, just never. You no never clues. find out in no a lot of cases. Whatsoever. That's right. That's horrible. You know, a few of us really believe that we could possibly wind up in the crosshairs of some gunman site. Well, you never know. That's true. Even just leaving your house. That's true. It can going, happen anytime. We just went to the bank today. Yep. To the ATM. Sure. I mean, who knows if could somebody could have come up and way. just started shooting people around around a bank. That's right. Inside a bank, around a bank. And I, Who and knows? Why do these people Ugh. actually seem to succeed so often in causing all these mass casualties? Well, he knew that those people were not armed. Right. Well, they that were, was a right. quote gun-free zone because they're in right. They probably a have, public yes. works department. Right. A so governmental department. They're so they probably there. had one of those. Uh, Places that you have to go through to make sure you're not carrying any the, the large X-ray, amount of metal or, even or just something. A security guard that right. you know now they like poke into your purses, right? And stuff. I don't know. I don't know if they poked into his purse, but the truth of the matter is, is that I'll bet they had some kind of metal detector that they used over there. I can't tell you guys out there how many times I've had a gun in my purse and somebody's poked into it and not seen it. It's it yeah, that is sort of amazing. I, I, I have remember. seen that. Um, we got we went into the concert. Remember into the, a concert. What was that we, concert we were seeing? Uh, oh no, it was a co- comedian. Some comedian. I forget who. <laughs> oh so uh, yeah, Ron White. Ron, Ron White. White. Oh he's yes, a, he's a funny guy. The whiskey drinking guy. Right. He was hilarious. But right. anyway, we didn't expect security, and it was a long, long line to get in. Remember, right. that thing and was sold go, out, and you had to go through the metal but detector. But that's the first time that had ever happened. Right. And they had. You know, you put your purse around the metal detector, 
And then they picked it up, which they should have noticed that my small purse weighed like a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a full size pistol. <laughs> but they poked around and didn't see it because it was in a zippered pocket. So we actually got to see the concert. That was pretty. Well, I, you know what? I felt protected. Yeah. If somebody was going to start shooting, at least we could protect ourselves. Well, if they had that there, they might have been, who knows, a death threat against the comedian or who who, who knows nah, what, it's what really happens. probably just standard now for all their concerts, I bet. Probably makes sense. Although he did get someone kicked out, remember? Somebody was trying to heckle him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to engage with you. Somebody take him out. <laughs> Which I thought was smart. Don't even, you know, start having a conversation with him. So I don't know why these guys seem to succeed so often, and I think we need to think about out there what our response or what would your your response out there be to an active shooter. I mean, many victims of active shooters are what we call normalcy bias guys. Right. Basically, uh, normalcy bias is the tendency for people to believe that everything follows a pattern and that their day is going to proceed normally because, well, it always has. And it's a natural response for most. I sort of expect it myself, although I believe in situational awareness. It's, it's just reinforced by the rarity of mass casualty events. You hear them on the news, but they make the news. It's not like they happen so often that they're not considered a very newsworthy. Right. So it's a natural response for most folks to not really pay attention to these things, uh, and, but it's rare for them to happen in your neighbor. Now, the funny thing is that we thought so, at least until last year when there was a shooting at a high school in a place called Parkland, about 15 minutes from our house. Right. So it can ha- it can happen anywhere. It can happen For- where wait. you live. Forget that. Do you remember the one that was at the Delta baggage claim? Oh, right. We, at the Fort Lauderdale yes, Airport? Yes. We had just flown in one week earlier. Right. Because that's the time that we go up to New York City to spend time with my daughter. Right. And we had come back a week earlier, picked up our luggage on the same um, carousel. Carousel, the and same the, carousel. Right, and there was on, some guy on Delta. Right, and a week later in the same carousel area, and the same some guy decided pickup. to shoot. I think five people. Or and it's so. a small baggage pickup area. There's only yep. what, like three carousels. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not like you're far, far away. No, a, no matter which one airport, you're at. Right. But it's weird. Usually they only activate one of them. So, but anyway, so that's we two were we were only one shootings. week away from being in the exact same spot where people were killed. So that's we two missed mass it shootings. by seven days. Wow, it is that could have been us. Right, that's about twenty miles from us. It's unlikely we were we would be in a high school. No, but it is likely we'd be at a carousel at an airport. Sure, at an we airport travel right. So much speaking about medical preparedness. <sighs> well, anyway, the thing is, is that most of us actually believe that the good folks of law enforcement, homeland security, are always, like, right there, always Mm -hmm. watching. And maybe they are, but they can't watch everything. They can't – they don't have eyes in the back of their heads. They don't have cameras everywhere, almost, although it seems like it. Right. And these agencies do the best they can to counter situations like this. But most of these mass shooting events, they end so fast that the chances are slim that help's going to be immediately at hand. Uh, in that Mandalay Bay it uh, shooting, yes. well, I'll tell you, it took about 31 seconds for this guy to t- uh, get off 280 rounds of ammunition. He had an automatic weapon. 
and he shot her straight into a big crowd at an outdoor concert. And nine to ten minutes later, he was dead. He had killed himself. He was done shooting, and he he killed himself. It was over. And it was over. So that was it. There was one exception to that. The Orlando nightclub shooting from a couple of years ago, or maybe three years ago now, um, that took about two hours. And that was really terrible because this guy had plenty of time. I don't know why they didn't go in there and, and rush it, rush the guy, but I guess people would have been killed or law enforcement I, might have been killed I doing do it. I do think it's because it was a very crowded, dark location. Yeah. I think they must have some protocol about that. Oh, I'm it sure. It wasn't a well-lit, spread-out area. Right. Like, I believe those people at Virginia Beach, the responders, the police went pretty much fast. right in. Oh, yeah. Those guys yeah. are those guys. They responded, fast. like, immediately. But yeah, I think right. maybe because this was at night, it was a very small, crowded area, and it was dark. Very dark. Yeah, so, so they the, might have been going into an ambush. They didn't so, want to do that. And also, who are the police going to shoot when they go in? Right. If their aim is to, or goal is to shoot the shooter, and how do you, how do you know who to shoot when you go in there? The shooter could actually put his hand behind somebody and pretend like it's that person, yeah. and then that the poor victim is a like shield. a shield, the body shield. shield, exactly. Well, so I, I kind of understand that he had a couple of hours to go in there and and search out the place oh, yeah. and kill another. He killed, I think, about fifty people. So Oof. just. Incredible! It just clear to me that without a plan of action, if you're the average guy, what you're going to wind up doing is you're going to wind up following the herd. That's why it's important for you to know what to do. I mean, if 50, what are you going to do if 50 people around you? Or how about if you're in that concert in Las Vegas right. in 2017? You're probably thousands of people around you. And everybody drops to the floor. What are you going to do? Your natural tendency is to do the same, right? Yeah, because otherwise you stand out. Yeah, exactly. But that's a problem because if you're in plain view of a shooter, well, that's a recipe for a very bad outcome to yes. just sort of drop to the floor. So you got to have a plan of action before a shooting event occurs so that you are aware and you have a better chance of getting out of there in one piece. Now, there are some things that you should be thinking about that I think you can do calmly. Mm-hmm. I think you can do it rationally whenever you're in a crowd. And it may seem extreme to consider options like this, but the headlines suggest otherwise. This vigilance that I'm recommending is called situational awareness. We've talked about it before. It was a concept first put forth by a military pilot to pertain to dogfights, to aerial dogfights, sure enough, but which today has special importance for the average person. Mm -hmm. So the average standard recommendation in order by the Department of Homeland Security is run hide and fight unless you're dealing with a sniper on top of a building running away is going to be a pretty reasonable course of action in the case of a sniper the distance between the shooter and his targets effectively precludes the ability to fight obviously so running away from the kill zone or hiding in buildings or vehicles well that might save some lives now there is a difference between cover and concealment though now everybody should know the difference between that Mm -hmm. if you hide behind a bush You may have concealment. That means the shooter might not be able to see you, but spraying and praying still might get you shot Mm -hmm. because you don't have real cover. I mean, a real cover would be something like a concrete wall. Not only are you hidden, but you have a real barrier that can stop a bullet between yourself and the shooter. 
Now, if you're inside a building when it all goes down, you got to know where the exits are. I mean, you should practice this, practice this next time you go to a mall or next time you even go to a grocery store. Just as you are just doing your thing, walking along, just sort of look around and see where is there an exit? Where would you go if something actually happened? And so you should always make a mental note of what the exits are, calmly, relaxed, have a, a, make a plan of how you get out of there if you really needed to. Now, if you're outside, of course, you want to know the nearest route away from the area or, or a reasonable nearby shelter. Now, that, I think, is another... All of this is common sense. You know, I don't have to be a surgeon or a, 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 have a medical license to tell you how to get out of these things alive, if you are paying attention, you'll probably have the common sense to know what to do on your own. But the, the, the one other thing I would add is, and this is something we do, and I do especially when we travel and we're away from home and usually I don't have my personal protection in my purse or uh -huh. around your ankle, is I look for what could be a weapon. I look for objects around me. I had to do this when we were in Czech Republic, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget that. We ate a vegan meal. It took cash only, and you had no cash. <laughs> it was, Silly me, huh? Yes, there was a friend we had met there um, that we had known for about two weeks, and he went with me to the ATM to guard me so you didn't leave the restaurant and then think that we were getting trying to leave on the check. And we were followed. On the check. Yeah, right. <laughs> in the Czech Republic. In the check, right. Leave the check on the check. But we were followed, uh, this guy and I, by some gang members who this guy was with, thought he knew and waved at. And when the guys he waved at, the gang members said, hey, where are you going? He said, the ATM. <laughs> and they thought, oh, great. And then he realized he didn't know who he was just screaming, we're going to the ATM to. And they followed us. And I had to scream at them. And I had to yell at them. And I had to act like, actually like it was a bear. I was waving my arms around and screaming like a crazy person at them. I don't even know if, really if they understood what I was saying. Probably not, but you are and it pretty doesn't, scary And it didn't matter lady. because I looked insane. Yeah. And I, they kept following us to the ATM. But on the outside of the ATM was a restaurant, an outdoor restaurant. And they were just cleaning up the restaurant. It was dark. And the sun had gone down since we had been eating. But they were cleaning up the restaurant. And there were forks and knives around. And I eyeballed them. And I said to the guy with me, I said, if they're still here when we come out of the ATM, because there was a door that shut, you had to have your bank uh, card to get into the ATM, and then the door shut behind you, glass doors. So I could see out. They could see in that clearly that we were getting money. But I knew if I got out that I could grab the forks or knives and I was going to be using them as weapons. And I told the guy with me, I said, you know, you got me into this. <laughs> you better stand up to these people with me. Because um, he, he didn't think they were a threat. You know, it's, an, it's not a threat telling some people who are following you after you just told them you're going to a bank to get money out. That, and you don't know them that he didn't think that was a threat. So I had to emphasize to him that this was a serious situation and he better be on high alert. Right. So he was I'm not going to let them come near me. 
He was a typical example of someone who was not situationally aware. Not at all. You, however, were very situationally aware. Well, I was away you from ready. you. You had and and so well, my antennas and were up. Last time that's ever going to ever going to have my antennas were up, and I was looking around because we had to walk through alleyways. Right. Before we got to this ATM, it was really sketchy. Right, really, well, Prague, really sketchy. Prague, Prague is a, in, at in, night is a medieval area, Whew. a medieval town. It's got an old town with all sorts of twists and turns and little skinny little ta- uh, streets. You know, I mean, cars didn't in the old days weren't there. They, mm-hmm. I guess, they just had little carts or horses that yep. would uh, would go by there, but uh, on those streets. But the truth is, is that you cannot. We didn't walk around at night other than that. No, we did. We did. Well, just because we were meeting somebody, we thought. I mean, it was during the day when we went into the restaurant. Right. The sun went well, down. Well, we knew the guy. He he was fine. He was a nice we, guy. Not known a problem. Him, you know, or at least online for well, years. Well, right. Well, we had just met him in person a, couple, yeah. a week or two earlier in a different country, which is right. really funny. In <laughs> Germany, we had met him. That's but right. anyway, um, long story short. We came back out of the ATM, and I, again, I gave him the stern warning of, hey, this is what's going to happen if they try to attack us. You better stand up. You're the one who got us into this situation. Uh, don't make me finish it. You got you to gotta help, help me with this. Don't That's walk right. away. Be ready to punch somebody or hurt them badly if, if they attack us. Right, and he's like, "Oh, they're not going to do anything." He still had the attitude. Meanwhile, they had already followed us and watched us walk into the ATM. He still had the attitude of, "Oh, they don't want to bother us. They're they're not going to do anything. They're going to leave us alone." And they were still out there when we got out. So I screamed one more time. Yeah, I said, "This is your last chance." And again, I looked like a crazy person, and they walked away. It's a that was it was one second before I was grabbing a weapon. You're but, my so hero. So the whole point is you are my hero. You have to be aware of your surroundings and act normal. I was completely relaxed until I realized that strangers at night were following me, and my husband had no idea where I was. You didn't have a cell phone, and I didn't have a cell phone that were working. So I would have just disappeared, and you would have yep. never. Found me. No, we didn't have cell phone service in that country. Oh, right, right. Because you right. had to have special cell phone services when you went or get a new SIM card or something. But you would never have known what happened to me. But, but the you point did the is, right thing. You were noticing alert, people around you. Be alert. Right. Notice what's happening if someone's following you. I mean, probably most people won't do what I do. If I notice people are following me and, and acting strangely, I confront them. I turn around, I look at them, I point at them, and I say, I see you. I do I do that whenever this has happened to us. And usually that makes them run away. So that's probably one reason we've never been attacked. Yeah. I guess so. I don't run away from danger. I want to run run away from you. <laughs> no, I don't. I just confront it. But anyway, just be alert and and so in other words Besides looking for exits, look for a possible weapon. Even right. if it's a, a piece of a chair that you got to hit up against the wall right. to get the, the leg from it. Right. And it might those, be pointy. It right. might even have a, a a nail in it. Right. Look for people that are <laughs> I appear sound nervous. like a gangster. Well, you do. You're scary. <laughs> yeah, um, people that look nervous, people look suspicious. 
people that are dressed inappropriately for the weather, if they're wearing a big overcoat. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was in a crowd and I saw somebody wearing a big overcoat in summer, I'd be, you know, saying, you know, let's go. Terrorist bomber, suicide bomber. Let's go. I'm out of here. Right. You know, if if you're in a crowd, uh, let's say you're at a concert. What you need to do is you need to stay in the periphery of the concert. I know everybody wants to be in the middle where everybody is and, you know, get the best view and stuff like that. But that's exactly what we did at that the the comedian that right. we saw, we, Ron we were White. at the very end. We were at and there was one side right in back of us. against the right. wall, exactly. Right, and that's the thing. If you want to be center stage, you're going to have a lot of people between you and the exit. If that's something true. goes down, that's totally and true. And so you want to have as few people between you and the exits as possible. <laughs> now, any I would assume that any sound that sounds like a gunshot is a gunshot, not some blown tire or. Some firecrackers, things like that. Uh, keep an eye on the direction the gunshots are coming from. Head the opposite direction. You know, so if you prime yourself for a possible emergency, you always decrease the chance of being where the trouble is. Right. And becoming the next victim. It sounds all. It all sounds simple, and maybe a little paranoid. No, I don't think it's paranoid. I think it's. Um, I was raised with a father who was in the Air Force. He was also a Boy Scout. This guy is prepared, and he taught his kids to be alert and aware. My, he told my brother and I what to do if, if people tried to take us, what we were going to have to do. My, my little three-year-old brother would show my dad how he was going to kick the guy in the shin. You know? There you go. Good idea. He, he just taught us things like that. He didn't teach me actual karate or anything, but you know, told us where the vulnerable areas were of somebody if they were attacking us, where to go, the eyeballs, the genitals, the right. knee, Have the you kneecaps. done that outside? Have you guys done that out there? The kneecaps and, and even the feet and using your teeth, biting. Biting's very effective. So my brother and I, I mean, if we had gotten taken, there would be all kinds of DNA all over our fingernails and our teeth because we would have been fighting really badly. Definitely. But, yeah, so just be aware of what's going on. That's right. It's not being paranoid. And you would think that, oh, everybody's aware of what's going on, but very few people nowadays are. Everybody's got their head buried in their smartphones. That's right. That's right. Very few people are really situational. Even you did that. Yesterday I was telling, oh, we were picking up our poor birds that were sick from the vet, and there had been a crazy guy walking on the sidewalk by the parking lot in front of the bird vet, which, by the way, if you guys watch these vet shows, our bird vet is actually the office of Dr. K. Right. Dr. K's exotic animal. It's on Uh, Nat Geo, apparently, (laughs) which we had no idea. Yeah, we go into the doctor's office, and there's, like, camera lights everywhere. There's no cameras, but there's camera lights. And I'm like, what's with the camera lights? And... The little secretary assistant, she's like, oh, this is the second most popular vet show at Dr. K's. I was like, what? Really? So anyway, we're walking out of the vet, and you were on the phone, and I was telling you, since I had the birds in my hand in a carrier, to look out for the guy who was talking to himself walking down the sidewalk with his hands waving around. He looked crazy. 
This is not not in his right he mind. He was. He was. Ta- he was talking to himself. And but you were we had were, your face in the smartphone. That's not. That's not true. She was. We were further down the yeah. road. That guy was further down the road I than know. what you think. <laughs> oh boy. Well, in any case, smartphones. Smartphones. They have to remember that you know in the old days, just walking with your head down, looking into your smartphone, might result in a bump on the head. From walking into a lamppost, but you know what? Today, the results can be tragic. So, you know what? You, you may think, who thinks of this stuff anyhow? Well, maybe you should. Don't be the soft target that assassins look for. you got to remain situationally aware at all times. Decide how important it is for you to be in the middle of a large crowd. It's okay to be on the aisle seat. Fringe. That's right. On the fringe. Okay. In the old days, I understand it was paranoia. It may sound to you like overkill, but these are uncertain times. It's more like common sense right now. Hey, I want to talk about our friends at Gold Wealth Management. Uh, when it comes to survival and being prepared, we know that the must-have items that come to mind are a complete medical kit and a bug-out bag. And our friends at Gold Wealth Management want us also to know to have our bug-out bank in place as well. Your bug-out bank should contain physical gold and silver along with three months of living expenses in cash. You should call Gold Wealth Management to get a free education about investing in gold and silver. Do it today at current prices. The gold and silver markets are on sale. Call 866-GLD-SLVR. That's 866 gld S-L-V-R or 866-453-7587. Hey, you know, someone recently complained that our antibiotic book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, the layman's guide to available antibacterials in austere settings, didn't go into detail about IV antibiotics. Well, just to remind you, the book is titled, It's the Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials. And guess what IV antibiotics are? Not totally available. Not available. They are <laughs> I know prescri- the answer. Yes. Prescription style drugs that no ha- no easy equivalent exists in veterinary antibiotics that you are going to find without a prescription, unlike the fish and bird antibiotics that we've written about for so many years. And this is because the medicines that we talk about are for hobby animals, the fish and birds. Right, tropical fish and pet birds. Right, exactly. Right, not for chicken farms. Not for food. Right, exactly. If you're growing animals for food. Or salmon farms or anything like that. Those are all prescription now because they don't want you over-medicating your food, meat, That's right. Poultry, exactly. That's right. A couple Fish, of years, in the beginning of 2018, right. they uh, passed something called the Veterinary Food Directive, and they made a lot of what were previously veterinary uh, antibiotics without a prescription now by prescription. Right. But those antibiotics are ones that are used in food-producing food, 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 food. livestock. Not... Unless you're eating your parakeets. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so you can still get all of the antibiotics that we write about in uh, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. Right. But they're not IV antibiotics because the book is about available antibacterial. You know, I would really like to see someone start an IV on a goldfish. There you go. Right. <laughs> I wonder if that's ever been done. <laughs> Another thing about IV antibiotics is that they're expensive. And let's face it, in austere settings, the layman is not going to have this stuff in any quantity no. unless your bug out retreat is some abandoned hospital. Not a bad idea, I'll admit. 
But if there's a uh, Cleveland Clinic down the road, right? So we could sort of hole up there and see what's going on. We'll be the the trolls of the abandoned hospital. <laughs> Can you Ooh. imagine just you and I trying to hold down yeah. the hospital? Oh, right. I was like, okay, you take the north side, and I'll take the south, south side. side. <laughs> It's not, oh, you know, my we'll, gosh. we'll have to get some friends along the way, honey. Right. So these are the things that I just want you to know about our book, because our book is not an IV antibiotic book. No. Our book is has a lot of information about infectious diseases, not just about what dose that you use for each antibiotic, although that's there in plenty in, in huge detail. Yes. It also tells you something that's very important, how to recognize the actual infectious disease that these antibiotics combat Mm -hmm. and how to identify one from the other. So that's something that's important. That's why we could call it, that's why it's not just called Alton's Antibiotics. It's called Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. And this background is something that is important to know. All of this stuff is stuff that you should know if you're going to Use these things wisely in times of trouble. And hopefully you'll never have to. Well, the the complaint just made no sense. Right. So that's, I just wanted to say that that's something that's that's very important. I also want to let you know that your medications, your antibiotics and things like that, aren't useful at all unless you store them properly. You'll get the most longevity out of them if you store your antibiotics in an appropriate fashion. By the way, years ago, when they first started making indoor bathrooms, they thought that it would be a great idea to make a feature of the bathroom to be a medicine, medicine cabinet. cabinet right. Well, but the name medicine cabinet implies that it's the appropriate place to store your medicines, but actually, it's the worst place in your home <laughs> to store medications, especially those in pillar capsule forms. Maybe some gel or ointments might do well, things that need to be moist. But the rest should be kept away from any place that has a bunch of steam in it, like any place where your shower might just happen to be. Now, a few considerations that go into finding the best place to store medications. you got to consider, of course, any individual recommendations from the pharmacy for each medication. If they say to store it in a specific way, you should do the best you can to store it in that way. Then, of course, you should always store medications in a place that's inaccessible to children that kids cannot get to. That is something that's very, very important. After taking those two into account, then the things that they always say standard, cool, dry places, away from heat, away from light sources, this is how you should store your medications. That's why a lot of these medicines come in amber-colored, brown-colored bottles. Yep. That's to decrease the amount of light that gets to these medications, these drugs. It allows, makes them stay potent longer. Now, sometimes you got to store medications in a refrigerator, but this can pose some issues. You know, obviously, children can easily access the refrigerator, so you sh- should have, of course, well, besides childproof caps on your medications... This is not a guarantee. You should have some kind of box, I think, like a little metal lock box or some kind of lock box that you can use for storage. Not a bad idea. You know, maybe two of them, one that you can put in a refrigerator for the things that have to be refrigerated and one for those items, that those drugs that don't have to be refrigerated particularly. Uh, that is very important. And always have the keys well out of reach of your kids. Uh, I would say that if you have liquid medications, they should all be in the fridge, but also in 
a lock in the lockbox as well. There are many medications that should not be refrigerated and very few medications that should be frozen. Almost none exactly. should be frozen. And this is something that a lot of people don't think. They say, oh, well, cold, if cold is good, freezing cold, is better. Exactly. But that's not the case. That right. is absolutely not true. Right. Now, people sometimes choose uh, kitchen cabinets to put uh, their medications, but don't choose one that's directly over a stove because that's going to be exposed to more heat. Heat rises in temperatures in your home or warmest near the ceilings. Uh, ceilings. So, you know, your goal is to store medications away from kids, but it may not be best to store it in the areas where they're above a heat source. Now, there's two kinds of storage. There's one, okay, we're keeping medications, but I'm taking them. So you still have to keep them out of the hands of children or even teenagers. There's a lot of problems with teenagers taking their parents' medications right. and using them or selling them. but So there's daily use and protecting your daily use medicines, but there's also the long-term storage. We get a lot of questions about should I vacuum pack, should I put them in mylar, things like that. I don't think it's a bad idea if you have something that you're absolutely not going to use anytime soon to use a vacuum pack, leave it in the original container, though, because you'll still get the air out of it. Those little pill bottles are not sealed real well, so when you do the vacuum sealer, it's probably going to suck most of the oxygen out of that. But in the original containers, because that gives you what's in it, what the dosage is, you know, all the information, the pertinent information that you need about the medication is on the bottle that you got it, either from a prescription that you've decided you wanted to keep long-term or something you bought over-the-counter or online. So I don't mind vacuum packing. If you want to then, of course, now that's your humidity is taken care of, but you could still have a light issue. You could then either put that in a bucket. Right. They have those storage buckets. Sure. You don't necessarily need to use the oxygen absorbers to suck it down. Um, you could just put it in a bucket and seal it and put the bucket away marked with what it is. If you want to use Mylar, this does seem like overkill, unless you're just using the Mylar as the outside. But then you're going to have to clearly mark what is in that Mylar bag, because otherwise you're just going to forget. <laughs> so make sure you use a lot of markers and you put exactly what's inside the vacuum pack bag, which is now inside of a Mylar right. bag. But the vacuum pack removes the humidity, and the Mylar bag helps you with the um, sun. You still have the issue of heat. So watch where you now put either the bucket or the bag. Where are you going to put that? Try to put in air conditioning. Now, one thing I want to say is that although prescription medications or medications at all uh -huh. should be taken and put out of the reach of children. The truth is the first aid supplies, not medical, not medicines, right. the first aid supplies actually shouldn't be locked away. Right. I think that items like bandages and gauze should always be kept Scary handy, strips, exactly. Right? So that you or even your children can get to your first aid supplies you know, your bandages and your gauze and stuff like that if you need them. 
That I think is very important. Be sure to let all family member know, all your family members know where they can find the first aid supplies so they can get to them when required. I mean, if you, you know, if you wind up falling and injure yourself, you start bleeding and you can't get to where your supplies are, you may have a child that can get to where the the first aid supplies are, not right. the medicines, right. not the drugs, right. the first aid supplies. So that's that's different. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, we we were talking about antibiotics just a few minutes ago. Let's mm-hmm. we talk a lot about <clears throat> infections that cause diarrhea from contaminated food and water, and that can be very dangerous, could be life threatening, if because it causes a dehydration. It can cause right. really bad dehydration. You should always have, I think, a good supply of portable water filter filters. I know Amy's got a sale going on on both uh, the Life Straw and the Mini Sawyer that is on her store that's going on right now at store.doomandbloom.net. But if you end up with an infection, you might consider having some of antibiotics on board that like what we talk about in Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. Things like doxycycline, things like Bactrim or, or even Cipro, although that has some good things and some bad things about it. Uh, the CDC used to suggest taking antibiotics as a preventative while traveling, but actually doesn't anymore due to possible side effects. I will t- tell you in a few minutes what they do recommend. Uh, why And why is that? Why don't they recommend just using antibiotics? Because the most common side effect of antibiotics is diarrhea itself. So for that reason, they're no longer recommending, let's say, taking medicine or, or not medicine, antibiotics to prevent traveler's diarrhea. So I have one other reason why I wouldn't do this, and it's probably not their rationale, but your body in your intestines has a lot of good bacteria. They're showing more and more influence of that good bacteria on your immune system. That's called a microbiome. So if you get rid of the good bacteria inside your intestines by taking antibiotics and you get something bad in there through water or food, you've basically gotten rid of your soldiers who might have helped you get rid of it. That's true. And you've decreased your immune system that might fight it. That's exactly right. And the CDC has instructions regarding things that you can do to help uh, add probiotics to your diet, to help your microbiome, to help your good gut bacteria. They talk about using agents other than antibiotics for preventing things like traveler's diarrhea. And, of course, sanitation. Good sanitation, carefully washing your hands with soap when available, carrying small containers of alcohol-based sand, uh, sand, sand, sand sanitizers, (laughs) hand sanitizers, sand sanitizers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! And and your, by the way, your hand sanitizers. Uh, We have fun. Yeah, that's right. Look, look at your hand sanitizers. Make sure that they contain at least. 60% 60% alcohol. That's very, very important because it makes it easier. You know what you have? You have a touch of dyslexia. I do. I, <laughs> just, I've proven right there. Just a touch there. of it. Just proven That's right all right. There. I have a touch of Alzheimer's. So, so we, old, we make a fun pair. I have old timers. I, no, I have old timers. You know what happens? I can't remember what it is, and then you say the wrong thing. <laughs> Sonny, what's that stuff you put in your hands? You say sand, sand sanitizers. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just agree with you. <laughs> well, when 
diarrhea is really just having fluids run right through you and basically oh, just going right through. It goes in one end and goes oh. out the other end almost at the same time. You can easily get dehydrated. you got to keep those fluids coming. You need to avoid anything that's going to make it worse. Now, usually the problem runs its course unless you develop something like, well, cholera, some kind of epidemic diarrheal disease that in the past killed a lot of people. Cholera is an infection of the small intestine that's caused by the bacterium Vibrio cholera. And cholera has been the cause of many epidemics in the past. Even in modern times, there have been millions of cases of cholera reported in the world every year, millions every year. And last year, there were over 100,000 deaths from it. There have been at least seven cholera pandemics, not epidemics, pandemics, recorded since the 1800s, and a major epidemic occurred um, in Haiti about in 2011 after the earthquakes there. And also yep. there's one, uh, there's a cholera epidemic going on right now in Yemen where they have uh, all that unrest occurring. Now, if, if untreated cholera is a big problem, it has a death rate approaching 50 to 60 percent, but if you deal with it quickly, <clears throat> mortality goes down to 1 percent. So it pays to recognize it in a grid-down scenario. And that's why we write about these things as well as antibiotics in our latest book. Now, transmission of cholera, like a lot of diarrheal diseases, occurs as a result of eating improperly prepared food or water is contaminated with the feces of an infected individual. Mm -hmm. uh, the bug that causes cholera is also not uncommonly found in seafood like oysters. Right. And also... Think of fruits and vegetables that have been washed with contaminated water. That's right. They can be contaminated on the outside, and then they use the knife, or the cooking utensils are contaminated, and they add it to the fruits or vegetables or your lettuce. So if those things are contaminated, they can cross-contaminate if they keep cutting with the same knife. Oh, I'm just cutting fruits and vegetables, and so now everything is contaminated I at know. the same time. Even though they had just previously been washed. If they get contaminated, so or, or they wash them with contaminated water. There's a lot of ways that fruits and vegetables, which you don't think of being something you have to worry about. You have, oh, I'm going to have a salad rather than the sushi. And then you end up getting just as sick as somebody else. Crazy, baby. It's not always no, a protective thing. You don't know what they've... Cut now, things with or wash them. Now, we do we do have some protect, protective <clears throat> defenses of natural defenses against microbes like Vibrio cholera. Humic, human stomach acid does a reasonable job of killing most bacteria that we ingest. Yes. But it doesn't kill everything. If any Vibrio cholera bacteria survive, make their way into the intestine, they penetrate the walls and begin to cause symptoms by producing toxins. Uh, symptoms of cholera, they present themselves usually within a few hours. Maybe a few days at most after infection. And what happens is there's a rapid onset of watery diarrhea. And it looks just like what the water looks like after you've cooked rice. So you got the rice out of there. You look at the water. That is, cloud, that is exactly cloudy. right. Like a sort of a cloudy white uh, water. That is the bowel movement that you get if you are in the midst of a cholera attack. You know, in, in a certain percentage, that you lose so much, so much fluid that it causes major de dehydration, and that kills people. So, and this can happen really fast. I mean, within hours in some cases. I mean, even the mild cases are problematic because they increase the risk of the spreading the disease, and that's really bad. Other symptoms that you see with dehydration, always important to know and identify this in your people. 
uh, nausea and vomiting, low blood pressure, uh, a rapid heart rate greater than 100 beats a minute, severe thirst with a, a, combined with a decreased output of urine, often very dark and concentrated, mm-hmm. uh, muscle cramping, uh, <clears throat> mood swings and confusion and, and irritability. And low battery on your computer. Right, low battery on your computer. I'll go get it. I'll get and, and a loss of skin elasticity. That is called turgor. And in severe dehydration, the skin actually loses that. And and you can actually test your turgor by pulling on the skin of your arm. If you have normal turgor, the arm skin will snap back immediately. But if you're very dehydrated, the skin remains tented for a time, and that's how you can tell. Thankfully, we have modern water treatment facilities in normal times that they've eliminated cholera as a major issue in almost every, almost everywhere it's developed, uh, a developed country. But even in the aftermath of a disaster, you got to pay attention to proper preparation of food, purification of water. All of these things will help prevent outbreaks. The family medics in charge of this. You have to supervise those functions closely when you're off the grid. Have an effective portable water filter like the Life Straw, the Mini Sawyer, that's an important medical supply. And always pay careful attention to hand washing. You also have to deal with human sewage. You should always, if you're going to construct a latrine in the survival setting, always at least 200 feet away from the sources of drinking water. That is important. There's a lot more to goes, that goes to it, but we just don't have the time today. We'll talk about this next time. We're going to talk about how to deal with the dehydration. We're going to talk about what antibiotics you would use if you needed to treat somebody with cholera and maybe some of the other food-contaminated diseases. And we're also going to talk about some home remedies to deal with diarrheal diseases that might allow you to avoid having to use pharmaceuticals. Remember, if in times of trouble, the situation lasts long enough, regardless of how much you've actually stored, you're going to run out eventually and you're going to have to deal with things using home remedies. That is just part and parcel of the deal. That's all the time we have for this week. You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Hour podcast with Joe and Amy Alton. I'm out of breath. She's out of breath. (laughs) I ran to go get your charger. Yes, thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.